Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. According to Matthew's gospel, Matthew, he, uh, Jesus warned us, if you will, about what we call birth pangs before the return of the Lord. Now, every woman who's had a child knows exactly what birth pangs are like. They start off really, really light. Oh, I, I feel something. And by the time the baby is ready to come, these birth pains are so intense and they're so what frequent, frequent that eventually the result of these birth pains is a child, a baby. But but it starts off, it starts off early on going, oh, I'm feeling some discomfort. I'm feeling some, wait a minute. And, and then they have some, what we call false labor, these Braxton, Braxton Hicks, and, and that's not really labor. But you, you ask any woman who's had a child in here, the difference between Braxton Hicks and real labor, and there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. There's no deny. Oh, oh no, that was not. Okay, we're, we're in that. And Jesus talked about birth pangs before the end. In Matthew 24, verses 4 through 10, here's what Jesus says. Jesus answered and said to them. Now, he's talking to his disciples. They've come to him and they've asked him, what will be the envy? What, will be, what, what would it be like? And he goes, okay, here's, here's what I want you to see. You ready? Number one, he says, Jesus said, take heed that no one deceives you. Now, a lot of us in the Bible and our Bible students will look and we'll start looking at wars and rumors of wars and we'll start looking at earthquakes and, and we'll say, oh, since 1901, we've had X amount of earthquakes. Till now. No, no, no. The very first thing that my Jesus says to us is don't be deceived, which implies that there's going, we're going to live in a world that wants to deceive us. Okay? The, um, the AI... Artificial intelligence is a way that could deceive you into thinking something is true when it's not. And how do we know? Because it looks very real. And so, church, we have to be very careful with a guarded spiritual heart. Be careful with our social media because they want to deceive us. Jesus said they were going to deceive us. China, through AI, now wants to rewrite the Bible and take out whatever they want to take out. No, the Bible's already, the canon of Scripture is here. From Genesis to Revelation, we believe exactly what it says. But the world is saying, we want a world without God. We want a world without God. Okay, We don't want the consequences of sin. We don't want the conviction of sin. We want a world without God. So the Lord Jesus looks at you and me in 2023 and says, Take heed, listen up, be warned, let no one deceive you. Well, Lord, how would they deceive us? He says, For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, el Christos, the Messiah, and will deceive many. We've seen that throughout history. But then he goes on and he says something very interesting. He says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now, if you're in Matthew or you don't mind, that's a great thing to highlight. And I'm going to tell you in just a minute. Okay, so if you want to go over to Matthew 24, it's very important because Jesus said, you will hear of wars and then you will hear of the rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. If you don't mind highlighting it, that's a great highlight. And I'll tell you why in just a second. He says, see that you're not troubled. 
For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So, it's safe to say that we've heard of wars and we've heard of rumors of wars. It's safe to say that it does frighten us knowing that we could be in a World War III. And so he says to you and I, see that you're not troubled. Why, Lord? He says, because for all these things have to come to pass, but the end is not yet. As a matter of fact, verse 7 says, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. Now, verse 8 is what's key. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. All these, everything you see is the beginning of sorrows. The New Living Translation says it like this. But all these, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So, Jesus is telling us, he's giving us, he's warning in chapter 24 what's about to happen. What are they? They're birth pains. Okay? Very, very, every one of us who's seen a, a woman in labor or been in labor, you see exactly what he's talking about. Oh, oh, okay. They're going to come frequently. They're going to come harder. They're going to come harder. He says, he says this. Now, the very first sign, listen to me, church, of this birth pains that he's talking about, these not Braxton Hicks, these full-on birth pains before the Lord Jesus comes back is signifying that the last days have begun. Well, you go, no, 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 Ben. The last days, Peter talked about the last days beginning. What does this mean? It means we're, we're not, it's not the last days have begun, but we're actually closer to the finish line. How so? Well, go back to in your Bibles or just make a mental note of it or whatever you want to do. When Jesus said, and you will hear wars and rumors of wars, you can underline that and right next to this, this is what is called a Jewish idiom. A Jewish idiom. And what Jesus was saying, basically, is this is not a local war. You won't hear of local wars. He says, when he said wars and rumors of wars, he was talking about world war. A world war conflict. When you hear of a world war conflict, that is the first sign of the birth pain. If you recall... It was a worldwide conflict war coupled, again, with famines and earthquakes. Now, let's do some history. In 1914 began the very first world war. World war was the beginning, and then what most people believe is that when it stopped, it just kind of had peace for a moment, but in 1939, World War II was really just a continuation of World War I. Most people believe that. World War I and World War II, this is what Jesus was talking about when you hear about this. Now, let me just say this. In 1914, we had World War I. In 1939, you go, Ben, well, if, if that was a birth pain, the Lord should have come back. No, God is very patient, and he's letting us know very systematically, even from even 100 years ago, he's going, listen, you need to, you need to be right. I'm, I'm coming. There's a day that's going to... I mean, think about Noah and think about the ark. Think about as he was building it and people were mocking him and eventually, they, you know, it looked like it was done and yet 
No, no rain, Noah. <laughs> what is wrong with you? The ark's there. It's all. What are you? How are you going to get that up? Until what happened? That one day, yes, started to rain. the 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 earth opened up, and before you know it, there it was. So World War One and World War Two marks the very first event leading up to what we would call the tribulation period. That's the first birth pain. Okay. Now, if you're taking note, remember, 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 the tribulation period does not start until there's a peace treaty from the Antichrist with Israel. Okay? Now, here's the problem. The problem is what's called the Dome of the Rock. Okay? The Muslims control the Dome of the Rock. They, they control the Temple Mount. Now, most of you may or may not heard on the news that Hamas, which is a terrorist organization, shot a rocket towards Israel, which failed and blew up their own hospital. You're like, yeah. Immediately, all the news outlets were blaming Israel. As a matter of fact, everyone was already up in arms about Israel. Israel shot the hospital. 500 people were dead. That's not Israel's heart. You go, yeah, what's the point? What if... I'm going to give you a lot of what-ifs. What if, in a failed attempt to Israel, to Jerusalem, the Hamas or Hezbollah or whatever it might be, ends up bombing the Dome of the Rock? Well, you go, wow, but, but still, that's, that's still the, the holy site of Muhammad. It's still the site. Okay, I'm just going to give you what-ifs, okay? I want you walking out here just going, wow. Okay, I'm thinking. What if the, it's gone? Well, that gives the Antichrist fuel to be able to bring a peace treaty on the Temple Mount with no Dome of the Rock there. You're like, wow. So when does the tribulation start? On the peace treaty. People think it's when the rapture happens. It could be months, years after. It could be, I, I don't know. But when the rapture happens, this is what's going to happen. So... The first sign of World War I and World War II, and again, remember, when you hear wars and rumors of wars, Joe, there could be a possible World War III. Why? Well, because the war that you're, you hear on the news right now is not necessarily, it's not Israel versus Hamas. Hamas is just an organi organization. The, the key people, the, the, the ones who are actually pulling the strings is Iran. Iran and Russia, and China's involved in all of this too. Well, all of a sudden, when all this happened, you had you, now you have opposing sides, don't you? You have our president going saying, we'll stand with Israel. Okay, you have other places that are standing with Israel, and then you have other places that are saying, no, no, no. Well, what's going to happen if this culminates? Now you go, Ben, are you telling me there's going to be a third world war? No, but Jesus said, here's a Jewish idiom, it could be a third world war. You go, okay. So what does that mean? If we're on the brink of a third world war, well, this is then what Jesus said is true. It's true. That was the first birth pain. The second sequential event leading up to what we would call the tribulation is the miracle we call the reestablishment of Israel as a nation. 
In 1948, guys, Israel became the only country to be destroyed so much that it looked like a barren wasteland. It was Mark Twain who said, are you kidding me? Where's God? Where's, where's anything in this place? This is horrible. I'm obviously paraphrasing because there was nothing there. But if you go to Israel today, it is the lushest, most beautiful place. And God has done something. What did he do? In 1948, after years of being destroyed, they were the only, when I say only, they were the only country to come back and reestablish itself as a country. No other country has done that. And yet we know what God has told us in the Word of God that this would happen. So we also looked at the third, which was the, was the, was also to another third of the sequential up into uh, the tribulation, guys, was the Jewish control of Jerusalem. In 1967 began what we would call the third birth pain. This was called the Six-Day War. While the Six-Day War in itself was never, now you got to catch this, was never predicted in the scriptures. Look at me. Neither was World War I or World War II. The Bible never said this was going to happen. Yet they were prophetic. Well, in 1967, that war was never predicted. I told you early on that I had a buddy call me and say, hey, what is this war? Where is it in Scripture? It's not in Scripture per se, but I believe this war that we see, the headlines constantly, here was my thought process. It was Saturday morning. We heard of the bombings. Israel usually takes care of that pretty quick. They're usually done within a few days, but now we're already almost two weeks. We're a week and a half in, and there's still a lot of stuff going on. And so, okay, this is going to go a little bit longer than I thought. This is, this is, Israel doesn't like to, to, to have wars over, you know, well, they've been at war for five years. They, they're, they're very quick. Now, what I believe Israel's doing, and you guys might have some information that I don't have, but they're being really patient to get people out of the Gaza and, and, and civilians and Palestinians. And, and, and what you need to know is this war is not about Israel and Palestine. It's not about Israel and Palestinians, okay? You have some radical Palestinians, but they're Hamas terrorist group that is funded by Iran and Russia, okay? But back to the Six-Day War, it was never predicted in scriptures, but what accomplished it, what, what it accomplished certainly was. How so? The Six-Day War brought about a fulfillment of prophecy regarding Jewish control of the old city, Jerusalem. So they took back their control. And so with the six-day war in mind, the current war between Israel and, and this evil force called Hamas, um, which, is, which is really an acronym, you can look that up, it's not predicted, but here's what you need to see. It could be the beginning of a prophetic war that is pre predicted in Scripture, which is what? Ezekiel chapter 38. This could be the very beginnings. And you go, Ben, what's your point? My point is I want you guys to just know and know the Scripture and know what the Lord said. And okay, okay, so I, I've got this. I've got this. So we're, we're, let's go. Let's do this. Let's shift from the past a little bit into the future. Why? Because all the events we're going to talk about is going to be future that can happen anytime. As a matter of fact, we see a lot of movement right now from Russia, Iran, and keep this in mind, Turkey, right now in the Middle East. There's a lot of movement from those three. There's a lot of countries in the Middle East going, 
we don't know where we stand, but you have a lot of countries that are, are doing this. I heard of a Cornell University professor, not on campus, not, at, not in the classroom, but praise the violent act of Hamas in the killing of innocent people and babies. It just, it, I mean, how can you do that? When you talk about a hospital that killed 500 people, the Hamas terrorist group hide under schools, they have tunnels, and they hide under hospitals so that the, 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 their enemies, if you will, Israel, whoever they're fighting, cannot get to them without killing their own people. You go, okay, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. What's the purpose of tonight? The purpose of tonight, guys, is simply give you facts about the war and show you how they may affect us as fully devoted followers of Christ. Okay, so we have three birth pangs, World War I, World War I and II, the establishment of Israel as a country, 1948, and the Six-Day War. All of these prophetic, and so now let's look at the fourth, the fourth one kind of leading up to the tribulation. This fourth one is known as the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through every single verse. I'm going to have you flip around just a little bit. Um, we are going to cover both chapters, but we'll cover a little bit tonight, and then we'll cover a little bit next week. Okay? So, remember, Ezekiel 38 and 39 describes a future attack on Israel and God's deliverance of his people. This is what Ezekiel prophesies, okay? These invading armies are going to come from the north. Everybody knows that's going to come from the north. But here's something very interesting. God is going to pull them, pull this coalition into the war, okay? And I want you to keep that in mind. First and foremost, they're going to kind of be like, eh. But then God's going to pull them into this 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 coalition that invades Israel, but what we need to know is there's something very prophetic. If we are here to see the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war, you will know it's prophetic by two things. Number one, Russia and its allies are not going to want to be in the war up front. United States won't be in the war. They won't be backing Israel. Okay, and they'll somehow be pulled into a war. You go, okay, I got that. If we happen to be here, you'll know it's the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war because Israel will not be able to respond to that attack. See, right now, they were taken by surprise on Saturday. They thought they were at peace. Now, a lot of times they'll shoot rockets in. A lot of times they'll use... So this time, this was completely surprised. So right now, in Israel, they're on high alert, no matter what. So, they're ready. All over the nation, they're ready. So if Russia or anybody else would, would try to come and invade, they're ready. But in the Ezekiel 38, once we understand is that, is that they won't be ready, they won't be able to get a plane off, they won't, and God, God himself intervenes and destroys the armies that come in. So if we're still here, we go, did you hear? Did you hear? They're, Israel wasn't ready. Israel wasn't, oh, 
What happened? Well, it looked like God showed up and took care of that. And he'll tell us at the end of Ezekiel 39, the reason why is he wants the nations and he wants the world to know that he's God. That they're, that, and, and, and so this is what he's going to do. So now we put in our thinking caps, okay? You go, okay, what do we need to do? Here's a question. What is happening in Israel that they won't be able to defend themselves? What could be happening in Israel that you go, hmm, how did, how did Russia with Iran and Turkey and all of these allies, how did they surprise them and Israel not be ready? I want you to think about that. What could, they, what could be going on in Israel that they're not? Well, this war could definitely be a distraction as they're focusing on taking out. Now, think about this. Think about this. Israel went and bombed the runway of Damascus in Syria. Do you, do you know why? And here's why. Because it was keeping Russia from landing, Russia and Iran from landing planes in there and offering, just, just giving the, the terrorist group Hezbollah more ammunition. So they, they went ahead and bombed that. So now all of a sudden, Russia, Damascus, Iran, they're all, in, they're, they're all involved. Now the news isn't going to tell you this, but they're all involved. Okay? So, we have to ask ourselves a question. Israel, the country Israel, has something that this coalition wants or needs. Okay? Now, when I first taught Ezekiel 38 and 39, I think Brother Joe was here, um, we talked about oil. We, thought, we talked about oil. It's, well, it's got to be oil. I mean, you know, oil is, is the... It could be oil, guys. It could be natural gas. And then when I was in Israel last time, I thought it could be food. It could be food. Why? The Bible's going to say that the, the coalition is going to come in and, and go after the spoils, the spoils and the plunder. Like they're going after something. And when I look those words up in the Hebrew, it just talks about prey and, and, and spoils. It doesn't like give me like, what could it be? Well, in our minds, we're taking notes. It could be oil, it could be natural gas, natural gas it could be food. So they invade Israel and are destroyed by a supernatural uh, intervention. Here's what we know. I want you to think, again, put on your thinking caps. For seven months, this is what the Bible says, for seven months as a result of God intervening, they're, um, they're going to be burying corpses for seven months. So there are going to be that many in this war that for seven months it's going to be, okay, we've got, we got to bury this one and we've got to bury that one and, and, and to purify the land. Keep that in mind, seven months. But it also says, guys, in Ezekiel 39, we'll talk about this next week, for seven years the weapons that they bring from the north into Israel are going to be burned for fuel. For how long? Seven years. Now, that's always confused me prophetically because I'm like, okay, where does this fit in? Um, where does this fit in? Well, what if, there's a lot of what ifs tonight. 
What if the tribulation gets so bad around the world, but God is supernaturally providing fuel for those in Israel? Like they're burning for sin. And this is the, this is the tribulation, but the world, the United States, and all the other countries are suffering from, from the wrath of God coming down that Israel is actually being provided for supernaturally based on the weapons of this war. Like, like God's like, watch this. They're going to have fuel. Everybody else is not going to have fuel. They'll have fuel based on this. And they're going to burn that for seven years. And the world's going to go, how in the world is, is Israel even standing? How do they have, oh, well, remember, remember Russia invite, invaded them and then God showed up and now they have all this tanks and all this, all this weaponry and now they're just burning them and now they have enough fuel to take care of their houses and heat their houses and all this other good stuff. Wow. Just a thought. Just a thought. Now, before we get into the text, I need to give you three schools of thought according to these chapters. I just want to put them out there. These are schools of thought. First school of thought. Some people believe this battle is the battle of Armageddon found in Revelation 19. And it happens right after the seven years of the tribulation. This is a school of thought. You go, well, I don't know if I believe that. Armageddon, I believe Armageddon is a different war. Um, that's going to happen after the end of the tribulation, but it's not the Ezekiel 38 and 39, but I'm just going to give you the school of thought. The second school of thought is this is a prophetic war that will happen, Now, and here's where we have to be careful, right uh, before the rapture or right after the rapture. What does that mean for us? We could see the, the chess pieces being put in place and we'll never see the war. We'll hear the trumpet and we'll, and we'll go home. And you go, Amen. Or we actually are witness to that. And right after we see God prove himself to the nations, then he says, come home. Either way, we've put our coin into the payphone and dad is on his way. He's coming. He's somewhere between where he's going to pick us up. He's coming. He's coming. The third school of thought is from Chuck Missler. He wrote an article on the invasion, but argued the point that that the surrounding countries would have to be wiped out first. It would be Libya, Syria, Lebanon, and so forth. So, so there's some leaning there back to the Psalm 83 war. And, uh, but right now, Israel is sort of at peace with some of these. As a matter of fact, they were, they were having, and, and well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but they had this incredible, um, just this incredible, uh, just wonderful peace treaty with um, Saudi Arabia, who's now sort of backed out. So just kind of keep that in mind. They're, they'll come back in, but right now, because of this war, they've sort of uh, moved away. So keep that in mind. Now, let's get going. Let's see what God says. Um, by way of review, Ezekiel 37. Okay, guys? The Lord promised Ezekiel that the Jewish people would one day be restored into land being brought back to life. This is what he says. He illustrates this with this vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. The people of Israel will no, no longer be split in two, Judah and Israel, okay, but they would be one nation. Now remember, this happened May 15, 1948. Israel became the only nation who was in ruins to come back and become a nation. Now one of the things you need to understand is it happened in one day. 
which is a miracle in itself. It was one day, boom, boom. They were they got it in at the wire, and now they're a, a nation. Well, God told us in Ezekiel that He was going to bring the the Jewish people back. Let me stop right here for just a second because I want to share something with you that Jack Hibbs said, and I'm going to quote Jack Hibbs. He said, "You need to understand that not every Israeli is Jewish." The word Jew come, Jewish comes from the root word Judah, which means praise. So for someone to be Jewish is someone who really praises the Lord. They're, they're believers. Okay? We look at Jewish as a nationality, but during the time when God intervenes, Jew, you, could, you could be an Israeli and not be, quote-unquote, a Jewish person. And it's almost like you could be an American, but you're not a Christian. A Christian is one who praises the Lord. And I thought that was very interesting because I was like, whoa. And he was saying, and, and, and you can listen to that. He was saying, this is going to blow some people away. This is, he's like, you need, to, you need to understand that. Nonetheless, the Jewish heritage, the Israeli heritage, all those that felt like they needed to come back to Israel because of Ezekiel 37 we have noticed that thousands of people have moved back to Israel, okay? Some 688,000 immigrants came to Israel, check this out, during the first three and one-half years at an average of about 200,000 a year. So right after 1948, 49, 50, 51 and a half, almost 700 all of a sudden moved back to Israel. And from all over the world, they're like, I feel like I need to go home. I feel like I need to go home. And so 688,000. And uh, at that time, in 1948, guys, when, when Israel became a nation, there were 650,000 Jews living in Israel at that time of the establishment of the state. I try to think about this. I was I was in Santa Fe at the time, and I was thinking about this. So it was the population of Albuquerque and the surrounding areas. Rio Rancho it was, is about 650,000. All of that was in, in the nation of Israel in 1948. And within three and a half years, they were up to over a million. Today, there are nine million Total population in Israel, 7 million today are Jewish. So from 1948 to today, we have 7 million people who have migrated back to Israel. So you go, wow, wow. Here's the point I want to make. If Ezekiel said, I saw a valley of dry bones, they come back to life, if it refers to Israel, the nation and they went from 650,000 over 7 million, population 9 million, um, I think God's word is true. And the point is, is that you can trust it. You can trust it. What's going to happen in our lives, guys, as, we, as the days get darker, the enemy's going to come in and want to deceive us and, and, and create doubt in our lives on who God is and what he can do and how he is. He's, and, and, and he doesn't do it in one, one hey, it's, it's constant in what you put in your eye gate and what you put in your ear gate. And if you continue to be this way, 
What will happen is we can be deceived, and all of a sudden you begin to doubt how powerful God is. So the point is, if he says that he's going to, if he says the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you, according to Romans, guess what? You can take it to the bank. If he says that you're saved based not on your works, but on your faith and trust in him, then you're saved. We don't have to, we don't have to struggle. We don't have to fight. We don't have to go, oh, you know, there's so many people go, man, I hope I make it. I hope I, Lord, please, I'm sorry. And, and we're constantly just, just scared that, that we're going to hear the trumpet and we're going to let left behind. But the word of God is true. And that, that shouldn't even be an issue. Heaven is secure. Heaven is secure. Okay? Now, before we jump into our text, let me remind you that God's not done with Israel. Okay? God's not done with Israel. We will discover, you ready, church? That the war is going to try to divide the church. Okay? There are many Christians, many Christian believers that believe that the church replaced Israel. It's something called replacement theology. Okay? The ch- there's no more Israel, and therefore the church is Israel. Okay? And, and so, therefore, what happens is when you talk to them about this war, they, they don't even care. It's just another country invading another country. It's not a big deal because we are the spiritual Israel. As a matter of fact, I had a pastor friend um, uh, write something on Facebook and said, if your pastor's not talking about, it, about Israel, ask him how come. That's all he wrote. If your pastor's not saying anything about Israel, ask him how come. And I read the quotes because I wanted to see what people think. Let me give you this Facebook quote. This is from a Christian mom. She wrote, and I quote, who cares? It's not our problem, our war, and we shouldn't be involved, end quote. And, and I'm going, she really doesn't understand the significance. The significance. And what Jesus told us back in Matthew is not to be deceived. Not to be deceived. Because I think what happens is what, what starts first is, is being deceived quickly moves into division. Okay? Here's what happened. When COVID-19 came in, it divided the church. It divided the world. Okay, and it's still trying to divide the world. Okay, divided the church. We had we had half the people sitting on this side that believed one thing, and half the people. And uh, I remember Pastor Pancho Waters was saying, "You know what? It's this is getting crazy. Uh, we're putting people with masks over here and non-people with masks, and it's dividing." And finally, he said, "Enough. Just come and 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 be the church." But it's but it's a division. It's a division. Why? Because if we're not united, guess what happens? We're going to fall. United we stand together as believers, but divided we're going to fall. And this is exactly what's going to happen. You're going to have a group of people that go, hey man, I don't have anything to do with that. And you're going to be appalled because you're like, are you kidding me? Well, did you read the scriptures? According to Romans, uh, God's not done with Israel. He's not done with Israel. So keep that in mind. Let's Let's look at Ezekiel 38 and 39. Let's jump in real quick, okay? Ezekiel 38 says this in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog. 
of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against them. And say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm against you, O God, Prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. The very first thing we need to know tonight is who are they? Who are they? Okay? There are a number of places in the passage that practically cry out to be identified. Normally, when seeking to track down people groups in history, we turn to the table of nations. Jot this down. It's found in Genesis chapter 10. And First Chronicles chapter 1, the table of nations. What you need to kind of just put, put a little check mark in your thinking is that when he's talking about nations, he's talking about people group from these nations, not necessarily the government of those nations. Okay? That could make a big difference in the Ezekiel 38 war. It's, sometimes we think it's the government of this nation, but it could be a people group that descend from these nations. Like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Well, who are they? Well, let's look. Gog says, the chief prince of Magog. You go, who is that? It could be the president, the ruler, or Magog. It could be that. That's what Gog means. Magog, most people believe it's Russia, along with the northern regions formerly part of the USSR. Part of Ukraine used to be part of that. They're going to be part of this allies. Um, Kakistan and Ubikistan and all these little countries are going to be part of this, what we would call Magog. Magog. Now, he says, Persia. Who's Persia? That's modern day Iran right now. So that is a key player in the Ezekiel War. But it also has a little part of some eastern Iraq. Okay. Ethiopia, Cush, it'll show in your Bible, that's Africa. They're going to be part of this. Right now, they're silent. You don't hear anything about them. But when you hear the news and you get your news, get your news from a good news source. Okay? One of the best, um, if you don't follow him on, on Telegram, Amir Safadi, follow him on Telegram. You can get the latest, but also look at the Jerusalem Post. Be careful with a lot of these other ones because, again, with AI coming in, they seek to, what did Jesus say? Deceive us. So be careful. Get your news from a good source. Then you have Gomer. Those are the uh, Slavic countries. Germany, Poland, and uh, the Czech Republic. Those are going to be part of the coalition. And then you have um, Tugarma, which is the area of Turkey, Armenia, and check this out. Uh, Azuber. Azan, Azerbaijan, okay? A Z E R B A I J A N. That's part of this Togarma. Now, um, let me let me give that again because it's going to come up here in just a minute. This is part of Togarma right here in Ezekiel 38. Now, listen. Since Gog is in the land of Magog, then it stands to reason that Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal are the cities of Magog. And it have suggested that Rosh is Russia, Meshach is Moscow, and Tubal is Tobolsk. Now, the one thing that we need to know, the current war with Israel is being run and funded by Iran and Russia. They are actually pulling the strings, even now. One of the things that we need to be careful, and this is even with, with Bible study, 
Okay? Hamas is a terrorist group that's in the Gaza Strip. Hezbollah is a terrorist group. Hamas is, an, is basically an acronym for the Islamic State. And I mean, but I, I saw a pastor get on YouTube and say that the word Hamas is in the Bible four times. And he went by, and the word Hamas is in the Bible four times. And it means violent. Well, they're very violent, but it's not talking about, and so you have to just know, and you're just like, no, 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 you're, are you trying to pull views or something in? Because I get that it's actually C-H-A-M-A-S, Hamas, or Hamas is how, it, how it's said in, in, in the Hebrew, but I was like really just kind of going, no, that's not, that's not the same thing. Yeah, they're violent, but they're not taking their name off a, a, a Hebrew back in Genesis. So be careful. Be careful, church. Be careful. One of the things you need to know, and I heard this from either Joel Rosenberg or they call him Steve, the, the, he used to be a tour guide out there. He says, Hamas isn't really interested in winning the war okay, against Israel because they know they really can't. They don't have the manpower. But they're interested in winning the media war. The media war. You guys with me on that? And I thought, isn't that true? And you go, why? Why would they want to win a, the media war? Because it will cause division between all peoples, including the church. That's why all of a sudden, I mean, I mean, there were some, there were some credible, I don't, I'm not saying conservative news sources, but some credible news sources that were actually condemning Israel because they thought exactly that this was the hospital, that they had bombed the hospital. And so what happens is everybody, once you turn on Israel, now, here's a what if. Can I do a what if? What if they win the media war and, and all of a sudden everybody abandons Israel because of that? Well, that's, that's what the Bible says. During this war, Israel won't have a friend. And how powerful is media? How powerful? What if in the weeks... In months to come, we just see so much, and we gotta be, we we gotta have the right heart. I'm just saying, what if? Why? Because their goal is to get every, not so much Christian, and I'll tell you why. Because Hamas's mantra is Saturday first, then Sunday. You know what that means? First the Jew, then the Christian. I text Mike on Saturday, and I said, Mike, just um, just a heads up, be a little bit more alert. Um, the, we were we were supposed to have this this radical jihad come through, and everything. I just just watch anything that's. He's like, I know you know this, Mike, but just be careful because first first is what Saturday and Sunday, and we just we need to be careful. Now, we should always be on guard. My wife has always said, if you'll study Hamas. They don't, it, when you're ready, they don't attack when you're ready. They, they sneak in when you're not ready. When you let your guard down, they sort of come in. And so this is why we always have to kind of be, okay, okay. We live in an ever-changing world, okay? And I want you guys to be so informed. My granddaughter had a school concert last night. Believe it or not, an LISD, which I got to pray for. And I, I told her, I said, can I, can I say in Jesus' name? And she's, she's like, yeah. I said, amen. 
you know, because and so I prayed and I prayed in Jesus name. And I thought, man, I'm going to get We're going to get in a lot of trouble because LISD, you know, thank God we're still we're still good here in Lubbock, except my wife was taking the tickets. OK. And and was it was it a Middle Eastern guy? A Middle Eastern guy comes through with some flowers and the security guards is and my wife goes, hold, hold on, check. You need to check the flowers. And the security guard's like, why? You need to check the flowers. We're living in a different world. And this guy was acting really sketchy, going back to his car, back and forth. And, and finally, the security guard said, listen, you cannot go out and keep coming back in. You, it was just, was there anything to that? We don't know. But we've got to be careful. Wouldn't it be better for us to just be on guard than to, than to be caught in something that, oh, no. Not to mention, again, AI sharing false information about the war that we cannot see. We're here. Did you hear? Did you? Oh, no, no, that's not true. I'm not sure. I couldn't find it, and I didn't ask you, but, but um, the other day, Nathalie told me, she goes, she goes, oh, I think Donald Trump messed up. He said this, this, and this. And then, and then she retracted that later. She goes, you know what? That was AI. It was a false information. Was it something like that? And I meant to ask you what it was because I couldn't find it on, on Google. But it's like, can you imagine? Can you imagine? And what you need to know in today's war is Israel's not fo- Israel is not fighting Palestinians. They're fighting a terrorist group whose only mission is to wipe Israel off the face of the map. And we need to be careful. Now, let's jump to verse 4. This is a very interesting verse. Ezekiel says, I will turn you around, remember the people we just talked about, put hooks in your jaws and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed with great company, buckler shields, and leading um, all of them handling swords. Now, what this looks like is a, a, a hook in their jaw. The New Living Translation says, I will put a hook in your jaws and pull you to your doom. That's what it literally means. Okay? It sounds like Russia, the coalition, you guys with me, will not initially be interested in this war, at least not fully. But they will be forced to jump in somehow by God himself. He will basically be dragging them into it. Now, I want you to think about it. Initially, no. But then something piques their interest and then they are fully vested to attack Israel from the north. Okay. So first of all, they're like, we don't care. And for some reason, they come and, and they attack from the north, the south, the east, the west. And they want, they want, Israel has something they want or need. Now, let me give you some possible scenarios how this might go down. I'm not saying this will happen, but it could. Russia is the chief export of oil and natural gas for the Middle East. You guys need to know that. Israel has found natural gas throughout the region, only the problem is the, it's in the Mediterranean Sea. They haven't found natural gas there in Israel. Okay, keep that in mind. So much that Turkey has actually sent subs to see if they can find natural gas in the Mediterranean Sea. So it stands to reason that if natural gas, again, what does is, what is, um, Russia and the Allies want? Well, it could be natural gas. You control the gas, you control. But what if it's food? You know, what if it's food? Israel is the only one who grows enough food to sustain the entire country. 
they actually grow more food than they can eat, and since they cannot export it, they have a lot of it. Amir said that they grow more food in five different climates, so what if the major famine across the world, for some reason, maybe another pandemic, has stopped food production? Where would we get food to live? We would have to export it, but when push comes to shove, if we're hungry enough, somebody might just take it. Take it. Now here's something interesting, okay? The current scenario is not about oil or food or natural gas. Israel and the U.S., I don't know if you knew this, Israel and the U.S. have been working on a secret plan to build a trade land bridge connecting the United Arab Emirates, the the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and Israel. So this land bridge will lead from Dubai... Israel's uh, all the way to Israel seaports in Hafia. Um, Yannette News disclosed, noting that it intended to export goods from the east to Europe through Israel and later uh, for the tourist movement. Trucks will be able to transport goods through this trade corridor, significantly reducing transportation costs and time. The project will promote connectivity between Israel and regional countries in transportation, infrastructure, and information. You go, Ben, what did you just say? Check this out. Check this out. Benjamin Netanyahu said in his words, quote, it will create a new Middle East. So what does it look like if this happens? Israel could be at peace with the neighboring countries because they've created a brand new land bridge for trade, for exportation. You go, how so? What you may have not heard about is another trade corridor called the International North-South Transport Corridor. You go, what is that? Well, the INSTC will go from Moscow down along the coast of the Caspian Sea to through, remember that name, Azerbaijan country? all the way through Iran, down the Persian Gulf, and then to Mumbai, India. Putin told the TAS, the TAS news agency, he says this, quote, there is nothing in the India, Middle East, Europe economic corridor that can hinder Russia and the project Uh, It all benefits Russia. This is what Putin said. In his speech at the 8th Eastern Economic Forum, the EEF, Putin said, I believe this will only benefit us. I believe this will only help us develop logistics. So something that was in secret, now Putin knows about. So immediately I thought, oh, well, Russia has a problem with this. But they actually don't. They actually go, oh, oh. If these two agreements come together, Joe, it could play right into the Ezekiel 38 scenario we're talking about. As Netanyahu indicated in his speech to the UN, the IMAC, I would isolate Iran from other Arab nations as well as their proxies who, support, who sponsor terrorists against Israel and so those that supply arms to Russia. 
multinational trade corridors mandate that there is, check this out, an economic peace treaty in place in order to protect, protect the trade route. The IMEC treaty, which is not the same treaty as the Antichrist treaty, could bring protection to Israel from the joint threat of Hamas, Iran, and Syria, creating an environment of dwelling in safety, which Ezekiel 38, 8-12 talks about. Based on what Putin said, it sounded like he intends to take control of this trade route by force, if necessary, in order to plunder the goods of the other nations. Now, put your thinking cap on again, guys. The hook that brings Russia into the future prophetic war is Iran. Iran, as they are allies, and Iran has been sending, as there are allies, and as a matter of fact, Iran has been sending drones uh, to Russia for war. All of this is in, you can find it in the news. You can find it in the news. Okay. Back to our text very quickly. Let's look at verse 7. He says, Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be on guard for them. Now, look at verse 7 in your Bibles. If you're a note taker, underline and highlight that phrase, be on guard. Because here's what it means. Because in the Hebrew, it means a place of confinement, like a prison. You go, what does it mean? It sounds like God's allies will be stuck in the war with Russia. In other words, they're obligated. They can't get out. And he says, listen, prepare yourself and be ready, all your companies that are gathered to you, and be on a guard uh, be a guard for them. They're like, oh. if, if this is a trade route, now remember, what, what could be imported and exported through a trade route? Food, oil, gas, goods, every, anything. Now all of a sudden, Russia says, listen, you're going you're gonna to do this or else. Or else. Why? Real quickly, look at, look at verse 12. To take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited, against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods, who dwell in the midst of the land. Okay, so what things are happening? To take plunder, to take booty, and to stretch out your hand against Israel. Those are the three. Hey, listen, you're going to join us so you can get the spoils. You won't be able to supply your country the things they need unless you join us in this war. This is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. In my opinion, what if the what if many along the trade route agreement are controlled by Russia and again they would be forced to join or risk their country losing their imports or exports. Now it seems like things are falling in place. But let's move back. We're almost done. Verse 8. After many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land and those who brought you back from the sword and gathered you from the people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of nations and now all of them dwell in safety. Okay, so there's going to be a place starting in verse 8 where Israel feels what? Safe. Safe. Okay? Right now Israel doesn't feel safe. But what if, what if this trade route, this, this secret trade route, brings this covenant in this treaty where Israel now feels safe. Hey, we're in this trade route. You, 
I, I, I can do this. I can do this. So we're going to stop right here, guys. Um, I've given you a lot of it. We're going to look. We're going to pick it up next week in verse nine. Um, we have like about six minutes. Uh, if you do have a question, um, I will definitely try to answer. If I hadn't um, talked about it, if not, if you don't have any questions, that's fine. We'll pray, and um, we'll continue next week looking at verse nine, and then we'll cover all of chapter thirty-nine. You can see what's going to happen. Um, one of the things that you I'll leave in your brain tonight is that in the destruction of Damascus, we'll talk about that next week, it could be it could be nuclear because it's going to be flattened completely. It won't be inhabitable, is what it says. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word and your grace to us. We thank you, Lord, that you you're the only God that has given us, Lord, eschatology. You've told us what's going to happen before it happens, God. You've warned us. And so, Lord, may our eyes be open, our hearts be soft, and our lives be in tune with you. Forgive us of our sins, God. Thank you for dying on the cross. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.